if there's an understanding of what's underneath the activity or the kink or the fetish, then there can be an understanding of that. This can be recreated a lot of different ways. Are you open to seeing how you can have similar levels of intensity, aliveness, intimacy that maybe don't require this one option put down your throat, right? It could incorporate other techniques and practices that give you a sense of that and maybe even make you feel like you're seeing God. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Kimmy and Casey, the two blonde doms, my favorite two blonde doms, my only two blonde doms. How lucky am I? All by myself, I get you both. A little blonde sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Please stop. Don't stop. Please stop. I have a lot of I have a lot of tools in here in this office. I'm um, impressed. So they're not quite the same as the slew of toys and tools that the two of you have in your home. But, but I mean, I'm working on it. This is, this is very yeah. decent beginning for you. <laughs> and I see bigger things in the future for Great. sure. Yeah. Great. Most of mine vibrate. Uh, <laughs> most of yours you can hit people with. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. 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 I have like, I have, um, you know what I should probably do in this office is like have put something that I can hang the things on because in the closet I have. All of my, we have a whole set of um, vegan floggers and the little rope ones and Mm -hmm. like the ones that look like, you know, those plasticky bracelets that you you made as a kid. Oh yeah. I have a flogger made of that. It's like sparkly. They all came together. Jordan ordered it. Um, And it was probably after the first um, kink and Eros, you know, that's what we, that's what it's called now. But the Mm -hmm. first time that y'all came to Austin together and delivered something, Jordan was all impressed. And Mm -hmm. after that, I think is when we got the massage table in the extra bedroom and we were looking at spanking benches, but then we weren't quite sure. Like we were just kind of confused with, do we spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on this or like a hundred or $200 on this mm-hmm. massage chair looking thing. We just didn't know what we were going to get. Yeah. So we wound up with the massage table and um, some branded, meaning they're purple and teal floggers. Totally. That's because of you. Ah. But they're in the closet. So I need a place to put them on display. I'm a total MacGyver. Like I'm like, what can be a kink toy in this room? That's not a kink <laughs> toy, you know? And um, yes. yeah, just totally finagle something, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, what is it called? Uh, pervertibles? Pervertibles. Make it a pervertible. Yeah. I love that exercise. I want to item in the house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do that on our, um, we, we do the, the couples goals program, which y'all were mm-hmm. at the retreat and came in and shared, sprinkled some of your magic on the retreat guests <laughs> on their behinds. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's one of the exercises we do during one of the, the couples goals calls is quickly it's like a scavenger hunt a pervertible scavenger hunt and they have to go and run and in separately go find three things that they that are not sex toys that they could leverage in a sexual scene and then 
um, spend X amount of time explaining the fantasy that they were creating or what they were thinking with their partner. Mm -hmm. And then the partner gets to choose which one of the things they like the most and the story that they like the most, and then kind of collaborate on. Ooh. Yeah. I love that. It's so fun. I've traveled to countries where if you were to be caught with a suitcase full of anything sex related, you could be arrested, you know, Middle Eastern countries. So getting creative with things that you find around the house is really important. And I was telling one of my submissives, I'm like, listen, I'm like Jesus, but instead of turning water into wine, I can turn anything into a ball gag, (laughs) you know? So I gotta get that. creative there. Dismiss it into a ball gag. <laughs> <laughs> There's many, many like my foot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. Am I on now? Yeah, you oh, are. Uh, there but our mic just turned me on. Yeah, yeah, I did. I turned. I turned you on. Officially turned simple. you on. <laughs> and also, your audio was probably picking up on our microphones too. So it was Got totally it. fine. I had a feeling. I'm like, one of y'all probably didn't press that button. But. Nope. We got you. <laughs> you we're, sex, we're sex educators and yeah, sex coaches. Not, not we're tech, not goddesses. We say that all the time. We, say, we tell people all the time, if you expect our text to work perfectly, you are in the wrong spot. Yeah. Like, yeah. get in front of us and we can do what we know how to do. Yep. If you want us to build funnels and nope. yeah. this, these make are the website work. Very Ugh. much conscious competence <laughs> like i know what to do right. but i have to actively focus on it you know throw me into a room of people and be like, like what's your sex question and i can just take it and mm-hmm. run but mm-hmm. you know these flashing buttons <laughs> and i was like it's greek to me but anyway uh wow having both of you onto the show is really special uh because our audience i know has had an i mean depending on if they're they're loyal <laughs> and they've been following for a minute, then they've heard you both yeah. on the show. So we've had you on Casey to talk about erotic blueprints. Uh, and I think we've, have we had you on more than once? Nope. Just, just once. once, once. And we yeah. talked about the erotic blueprints and then we spoke specifically about on for like hours. <laughs> yeah. We went on for a really long time <laughs> and we've had, you can be on to the show and we've had a couple of different conversations. I think I've sat with you twice and Bryn sat with you once. So yeah. our people have gotten lots of Kimmy. I'm like the Alec Baldwin of Saturday night live, but on your <laughs> podcast, I'm like, how many times can I get on the show? <laughs> Am I the most ap- appeared or has there been other guests that have appeared more outside of Jordan and Bryn? <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. She goes to put her, put her hand on her hip and like, no, mistress, you're the only, you're the most, you're the the largest repeat offender. <laughs> Better keep it that way. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, yeah. So people have gotten uh, to experience both of your magic. And if y'all, if y'all are listening and you haven't heard either of those episodes or any of those episodes, go back later. Keep listening to this one. <laughs> go back and listen because they're really juicy and awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very full. And what I love uh, some things that I love, cause there's so, there's so much more than what I'm about to say. What I love about having you on the show and what I've loved in the past is you bringing your, uh, unique take on sexuality, sure. And sensuality, sure. But kink and DS and taboo and the way that you so eloquently normalize all of this stuff. So sometimes, and and I actually was just on a show as the guest and one of the reflections that I got, which I is a reflection I receive and I feel, yes, like I'm I'm doing the thing, but it's also a reflection for both of you too. And it's that, uh, when people find their way to whether it's me or find their way to you, 
like you so eloquently take the edge sometimes off of it that could prevent people from leaning in. And so I just, I have so much respect for that is that yes, you're in an edgy topic. And when people get into your space or you're in their ear holes, (laughs) you sound so normal, you know, and this person reflected normal, whatever that means. Um, This person reflected just uh, that basically she had seen other educators showing up and it feels like they're trying to shock and awe mm-hmm. that it feels like they're trying to be edgy, that they're, yeah. that it feels like they're trying to kind of be in your face with the information provocative about something that's already provocative, yeah, which is yeah. so unnecessary. And yeah. so she was sharing like, I really like how you just make it real. Mm-hmm. And I have that for yeah. sure. Reflection mm-hmm. to both of you too. You. Yeah. Which is why I love show. I love sharing you with, <laughs> I am a sharer. <laughs> Thanks for sharing us. Um, sharing. With my audience and of course with our clients, you know, I, and that's something that uh, I don't, I don't do very often. So, you know, we have really amazing people on our team. And so I share them with right. our people. You two are, you two. And then um, I would say Kenneth is our other most recommended because of the specific work that he does mm-hmm. um, and the sex hacker pro and all of that with the it's like sex ed and porn combined. It's where you can actually see it. That's something that I will not, I'm not, I'm never going to do that. Y'all do some things that I don't know right now mm-hmm. I, I might, but as of now, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing it. We got you, babe. So, you know, it's one of those like, it feels really good to have people in my space that I'm like, oh yeah, without a doubt, it's like blanket consent trust. Hmm. Like go to them, please. Like learn what you want to learn from me. Learn what you want to learn. And I'm talking about like people in our community, learn what you want to learn, learn from Sex and Love Co. And if you ever want to go deeper, like into mastering dominance or mastering, well, and, and again, whatever that means, yeah. um, you know, learning more about these subjects that uh, like people just have to give themselves some people massive amounts of permission to even yeah. go there. It's like, I want y'all, my people who are listening, I want y'all to go to these, these ladies. So Aww. thank you. Thank you so much. Like this is our life's work. You know, there's um, coaches out there talking about kink that are kind of regurgitating information that they've heard around the block. And this has been 20 years of interactive life worldly experience internationally with thousands and thousands and thousands of clients. And we're excited. Any opportunity that we can share with people that aren't in the scene to have an idea of what's possible in their erotic lives. And we very consciously came together to do this work with the understanding that we want to bring it mainstream. There are plenty of people out there that are doing the extremes. She can go there. I can go there. She can especially go there. (laughs) Um, But we don't have to do that, right? There's plenty of others that really specialize in going to the extreme of kink. For us, what's really important is making it so that it is normalized because there is nothing wrong with it at all. It's just been categorized that and it's been given stigma. And what's really important for us is to use our known privilege to mm-hmm. better what's possible in this space. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very conscious effort that we make it relatable, that we make it easy, that we make it something that people go, oh, this isn't that scary. Like, oh, I'm actually already doing this. I'm just calling it something else, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a lot of what we are, we consciously do um, together in our company is just to make it really easily accessible. <sighs> yes. Mm-hmm. And for those that are listening, again, the previous episodes, there's y'all go 
much more into that, mm-hmm. I would say, because for this episode, I want to give our listeners and myself, mm-hmm. because I love learning from the both of you. Um, so selfishly, this podcast recording is just for me. Mostly for me. No, it's selfish. <laughs> it's for everybody. Yeah, it's for everybody. Um, I want to give them a little something different, mm-hmm. something that we haven't spoken about exclusively um, or extensively on the show yet, which is fetishes. And this is another subject that I want to help people to understand, to take some of the edge away, some of the taboo out so that they can intentionally and conscientiously maybe bring some of that edge back in, mm-hmm. you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a unique and more aligned kind of way. Um, I think people hear the word fetish and immediately go, like only twisted, demented mm-hmm. people fetishize things, you know, and, and, and they might think like, well, like a foot fetish, which I believe is still what the number one, one mm-hmm. fetish. Sure. So Thank I'm, God. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to have the conversation, a conversation that we haven't had yet and do a little bit more workings with your magic on another subject that is really edgy for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that the research I've read is that, you know, from surveys and things that have been taken, like 30% of uh, people worldwide have some kind of fetish of some kind, whether it's foot pain, you know, things associated with different desires and, and textures and objects. So it's really common. Most people don't realize how common it is. What is a fetish for those who don't inquiry minds want to know what is considered a fetish? So a fetish is an obsession or delight with an object, a texture, an activity, or a scenario. So again, you had mentioned feet. That's been a really popular fetish. There's also leather fetishes that people have an inclination towards that texture because of the smell, because of the way it feels, the association with it. Um, It could also be things that feel scary or that press the buttons of their taboo and what they think is considered the societal norms that can be fetishized. Um, different roles and dynamics can be fetishized. And a lot of women or people might say, Oh yeah, I'm a guy. I have a boob fetish or I'm a girl. I have a shoe fetish. Um, so it goes a lot deeper than that. It's more than just liking something mm-hmm. like you need have to have this. that item scenario texture present in order to become aroused and sometimes to even climax. Mm -hmm. So that is the sort of defining factor there is that it's needed for arousal and um, sometimes climax. And it's not just something that, Oh, you just prefer or you like, it's like absolutely necessary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So is, could a fetish for someone be on a spectrum of sorts Like they could have a foot fetish and let's say they get aroused by feet. So there's some people that have to have a foot or feet present in order to receive any sort of sexual gratification to get turned on at all or even climax. Or they need to be imagining, Imagining thinking about, yeah, um, it. I know that people get really creative because they've had to, they have not been able to have a relationship or an opportunity to be really transparent with their fetish or their desires Mm -hmm. in that respect. So sometimes that has to be kind of kept on the DL and they'll instead imagine and, and do some sort of, um, yeah, mind game trick to initiate the arousal. So they essentially bring it to mind and fantasize it while they're having some kind of sex it, yeah, it's like, and I don't know exactly how it works, but there's like a neural 
kind of like a neural pathway that like when this is here, then this can happen mm-hmm. and arousal orgasm release can happen because mm. this is there. And if that's not there, that's when, that's when it can be really challenging. And that's where, that's where fetishes become, that's where it becomes the challenge in mm-hmm. a relationship or with somebody else when you absolutely have to have that. So for us, there's nothing wrong with having a fetish. Like we're like, okay, great. And is that limiting the possibilities for you for pleasure? And for what it is that you can experience and where you can go. And then that becomes a different conversation when we're working with our clients is, okay, if you want more, let's see how we can help you rewire other possibilities in there. Because oftentimes Mm -hmm. in the BDSM world, what I saw when I used to work in it was that people would come in with kind of, um, let's say a foot fetish. And then as they saw more dominatrixes, then their fetishes would get even more risky or more extreme, Mm -hmm. which would then kind of pull them out of being able to have like, quote unquote, normal relationships with people, which is where I think a lot of the stigma uh, gets put on somebody basically. shame or yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Their own shame there. And then, and then it becomes really hard for them to be in relationship with people and actually be present. And so this is where opening this conversation up is really important where we can go like, that's great that you have one. And if you find that it's having, giving you issues within your relationship, then let's talk about what's possible and how we may be able to support you in the rewiring of your pleasure, like centers and and being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're never here to yuck anybody's yum. We're just interested in if people are doing things by choice that they get to do things, not because they have to do things. Um, we like to help people create more choice and opportunity so they can decide how they want to live moment by moment. Yeah. I'm going to double click on some of this in a moment. Cause mm-hmm. I really like, I really like that. And I have more questions mm-hmm. about that Please. and to kind of continue building on the foundation. How does a person have a fetish? Like, where does that come from? Where do you think it comes from? I mean, I know yeah. people are all different. They have different experiences mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, there's this assumption that if a person has uh, a proclivity to mm-hmm. kink or an interest in kink or DS, or they want to be dominated or something, or they want to be spanked um, or they have a fetish that it's linked to some kind of past traumatic experience. That's, that's a common uh, myth or misconception mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. associated with the kink world. Totally. And we like to sort of change that and reframe it to not necessarily trauma because trauma is a really loaded word that's getting thrown around really easily. I feel like these days, but it could be just impressions that were made Mm -hmm. as you were growing up around intimacy, sex, um, love and care and all of those sort of things. And you know, the brain is a funny fucking thing, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the interesting thing about the brain is that, you know, our pleasure centers are right next to the pain centers and the t- neurotransmitters are getting exchanged and all kinds of wires can be sort of uh, crossed, so to speak, depending on, you know, a person's experience. And if someone is having an impression that's associated with an object with a body part with a texture and it's getting reinforced neurologically, then it's very normal for people to bring this into their erotic lives mm-hmm. as adults. Like there isn't like a sickness there. There isn't a me- no. mental health issue. The brain, it works in very mysterious mm-hmm. ways that we're just sort of scratching the surface to try to understand. But based on the clientele that I've worked with, it's been a lot of the impressions that were made around, um, you know, growing up and how they associated love and intimacy with the different kinks and fetishes that they have today. And the other piece, um, the research shows that oftentimes when, 
typically you see fetishes with cock bodied or male male humans because mm-hmm. of the way that their bodies work, right? Cause they're, they're, um, their penis is outside their body and where women, right. It's, it's internal. So a lot of fetishes, not saying oh, that so it's we're not. thinking about it. <laughs> we're thinking all kinds of kinky fuckery. We are always, oh, yes, sure. yes, yes. Inside and they're just doing it. it out. Well, and when a lot of my clients that I, I had, I would, I always got really curious. I was like, where did this come from? And it was really interesting. What I, the, the theme I saw was that there was a moment, there was a pivotal moment for all of them when they were very young. So like they were five, six, seven ish and whatever they were doing, their body had a release. Their body had an orgasm. But at that age, how do you, they don't have the words. They don't right. even know. So the brain made an association that if I do this, this is what happens. It feels good. So most of my clients, the trauma came from when it was much later in life and other people shamed them. That's mm-hmm. where their trauma came from. It wasn't the trauma from the experience that they had. Now, that was my clientele that I was talking to. And that's so I want to make sure for those listening, that's not always the case. But that was where I was like, oh, this is really fascinating that like, oh, a foot fetish came from like massaging a sister's foot or massaging an aunt's foot, like something so benign mm-hmm. that would normally no one would think anything about, but their body just had a reaction. Mm. Not that it was sexualized at that age either. It was just oh, my body did a thing. This felt really good. I was doing this while I was doing it. Let me see if it happens again. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not conscious thought at that age right. kind of thing, but it's something that then started to appear. And then the neural pathways and the wiring came into it. Mm. I remember being maybe seven or eight years old and I didn't have a lot of adult supervision growing up. And I remember my parents would let us watch rated R movies and whatever. But I remember this one movie, the characters in the movie were having sort of violent sex in the movie. And I remember my mom saying to me, I really don't, I don't know if you should be watching this. Maybe you shouldn't be watching this. And I immediately remember my body just tingling and being like, Oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. Mm. And it stuck with me forever. That idea that I'm watching something that I'm not supposed to be watching. This is naughty. This is wrong. But here I am and my parts are feeling all tingly and it's confusing and I have no understanding Mm -hmm. of what's happening. But it was such a visceral experience that no wonder when I started having sex and experimenting, I'm like, slap me, you know, like let's throw (laughs) each other down on the ground. Like, you know, cause I want to feel that aliveness that I felt when it was this rush that Mm -hmm. was completely unexplainable, but Mm -hmm. it was that aliveness that just felt so good in my body. Mm. Have you ever had anything like, (laughs) so (laughs) she gets a little story. It's kind of, I mean, I have like little experiences that I would say, I mean, the typical ones that I, I just, I describe that wind up being challenges. Like, you know, I was just on a show right before this and the question was like shame in the Catholic church and mm-hmm. all of that. And, and I've explained it on this show too, just about d- figuring out self-pleasure and knowing that I had to keep it private. But then the, the way that I would do it, I didn't, understand it was sexual. It Mm. was just a thing that felt good, Mm -hmm. but I knew I had to be quiet and I knew I had to hide it. And I Mm. knew. And so basically I'd have to have it quick. That way people wouldn't come in or out and they wouldn't interrupt me. And so, or they wouldn't, I wouldn't get found out. Mm -hmm. That was more it. I wouldn't get found out. And so I learned to make it quick, close my eyes, bear down, hold my breath. 
Mm. Um, and so it's, it's a lifelong journey and just even regular sex and pleasure and all of that to let myself make sounds, let myself move around, mm. let myself feel all the way, you know, the waves of pleasure and, and not try to rush through it. So I'm just, I think, you know, that that didn't lead to a fetish, so to speak, but that's sure. something that happens in, in yeah. youth that I now am working through in, in adulthood though, you know, I went to a Catholic school that had like outfits. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't in, I wasn't at the time getting slapped on the hands with the ruler, ruler. was done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad it was done. <laughs> you know, like how much more would I be into this if I actually got whacked? Well, <laughs> well, we could, we could try that out. Yeah. We could role play that I with do you. I want to know if you have a schoolgirl uniform. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> but I had I'll a, bring my next time for her. <laughs> I had a pleated skirt. If I put that pleated skirt on and that buttoned up white shirt, I would either like weirdly get turned on or like immediately want to rip it off. Um, but the it thing, does go either way. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on here. So, but the thing, and this is the thing that y'all really won't, I think maybe be surprised um, with is when I was, I don't know, I had to have been like maybe middle school and I was still in Catholic school at this time, middle school and probably leading into high school, which is, I went to a different school after that. But I had an uncle or I have an uncle. He's mm. still alive. Mm. Um, but he, so my my grandparents had a house in Belchase is South Louisiana. And at any time, like randomly the, my mom has three brothers. And so they would kind of be rotating who lived with the grandparents basically like, Oh, oh we're in between houses. So like mm-hmm. we're, we're living with Guy and grandpa yeah. Guy, <laughs> cause my sister named her that in oh. childhood. And so we all called her that. Yeah, of course. Mm. And, um, I mean, you know, if I were fancier and wanted to, to kind of go down, I would be Gigi, but no. she's <laughs> Gigi. It's, it, it just worked. So anyway, Guy and grandpa lived at this house and I spent a lot of time. My mom's retired military. I spent a lot of time with them, single mom and, and in the military at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was just with them a lot. And at some point, one of the uncles either, I don't know if he lived there at the time or if some of his stuff was just left over because there were magazines oh, that I would magazines. find that I would find <laughs> they were all very curvy tattooed, mm. oh. all of them very curvy and tattooed and like had this edge to them of this, like, I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. and fully in, you know, their body, whatever, which I don't know what their story was, but I would go and I can't remember what they were called there. I don't even know if there was actual nakedness in it yeah. because they weren't magazines that were about sex. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember them being about sex. I think they might've been about tattoos. They might've been about cars. I had, I don't even remember, but all, it was a bunch of tattooed curvy women. Wow. So, and at some point this imprinted on me that there was something about their attitude mm-hmm. that felt like me, mm-hmm. that I wanted to be like that. And I remember when I, when I finally did the first visible tattoo that wasn't covered mm-hmm. the euphoria, the permission, mm-hmm. the, this is a step in the direction of me and the sexiness mm-hmm. and all of that. So it's like, not quite what you're describing, but I definitely had like, as you were having, sharing your stories, I'm like, ah, it just reminds me of the, mm-hmm. of the curvy, mostly naked tattooed women. And I was like, ah, this is yeah. the type of person that I 
want to be and in my mind and, and go, but I can also wear a summer dress. Also, but I, and I don't even fucking wear Best dresses. Both worlds. I don't even wear dresses, but I think, I think yeah. you get it where I'm like, I yeah. want to be like that, but I also want to be like my own version of that. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. I relate to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all found magazines. <laughs> yeah. I'm like going to describe this thing and I'm talking about people living in the house and an uncle. And I'm like, Oh, I need to quickly land this plane before they think some other weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, you're like magazines, people. Magazines. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause that could have, that the end of that could have gone lots of different. I feel so purposes. sad for the children who will never find magazines of naked oh. women. <laughs> No, because they already saw God. it on the internet. Right? Right? <laughs> magazines yeah, are adventurous. It's not, right? It's, it's, it's not missing that novelty and the naughtiness. Yeah. It's missing that, like, yeah. that buzziness. Yeah. The yeah. Finding buried treasure. Yeah, they're like, oh, <laughs> another porn site on the internet. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, naked. Big deal. Right. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder, though, because we have a lot of the generation, a lot of my generation, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit older than me, and certainly a little bit younger, some millennials, the wide yeah. gap mm-hmm. of millennials that were introduced to the internet in right. this way and porn in this way. And so that bred what we yeah. think is a lot of sexuals. And so I wonder if, because mm-hmm. it's no big deal yeah. now, if we're going to be seeing different kind of blueprint preferences. Mm-hmm. It's, it's preferences. interesting. I mean, what I'm, what I'm reading is that the the millennials are really stepping back from sex. They're, they're really pulling back. Um, I haven't, you know, it, it's definitely a curiosity because so many of them have been shown some of the most extreme, like, you know, the, the fact that everything seems to go straight to anal, mm. like blows my mind. I'm like, how do we get there already? Like, really? it looks like we missed a whole lot of stuff to go right <laughs> to anal. I mean, I love, I love watching porn. It's part of, it's part of my, my ability because for me, um, and this comes from like when I was younger is, uh, the very first time I was introduced to porn, it was one of those like fuzzy channels. My family and I were at like the beach in San Diego (laughs) and like, it was like black, but also like pink and green that you could see the outlines of it. It's very hard. You know, like I can't explain, you know what I'm talking about. Was the sound okay? You can hear the sound. I could hear the sound, but you could like kind of make out like the boob and stuff like that. And so like I I was... (laughs) What happened for me is right. Like I needed the visual and the storyline and the sound and the sensation. So for me, my, my arousal and my ability to get off, I'm a shapeshifter. Like mm-hmm. I have to have all of that. If mm-hmm. I don't have all of that, it is really, and is really hard for me mm-hmm. to get off and bless my partners. Like it's hard <laughs> for them to do that. And so, you know, it's really, it's interesting to think about like, that experience and our experiences, right. Of like the creativity and where we had to fill in the blanks and where we had to fill in our bodies and like so much more came, came in it versus like just being able to watch it straight on porn and then going, going to the extremes. And so Mm. there is a curiosity for me about like, are there more extreme fetishes now? And then where is that going to take people? And then we do have more of these conversations around asexuality and we have more of these conversations around people choosing not to. So it's a really interesting really interesting and then i also think and we all know this is that sex education sucks mm-hmm. still like these poor isn't kids. it insane that it still <sighs> uh, sucks yeah. there's so much more access to sex so i wonder because there's lots of sex educators that are on tiktok and tiktok's totally. yeah. where the the kids hang out <laughs> it's so cute. i just saw a yeah. meme it was yesterday bryn sent it to me and it was um an image of the golden girls having <laughs> yeah. a conversation at a table yeah. and it was me and my millennial friends having to talk about TikTok, <laughs> right? right? And, yeah. and I, 
And I just like, ha, <laughs> you know, like one yeah. long ha. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause I've done a thing or two on TikTok and, totally. and I'm still like, the fuck is happening here? And, mm-hmm. and I know you're very present on TikTok too, Kimmy. Present. And I'm sure that you've had like, I, I mean, I just did a TikTok challenge where I was, pr- where I was posting yeah. every day for a month. And yeah, that's basically that's all that I did. And, and so I did it in it and it was great. Mm-hmm. And out of all the things that I posted every day for the month of February, so it wasn't even a long month. It was a 28 day month. <laughs> and um, I think five or six of them were taken down yeah. for yeah. bullshit. I know which some of the ones that got Ridiculous. taken down and I'm like, really? Those yeah. are the ones. You yeah. Know, I think I did one where just my shelf in my office was present. The one They're right like, here nope. that's in front of you that has all the, that has a bunch of toys on it and prostate massagers and butt plugs and mm-hmm. vibrators and all that. And I actually, there's, that's the only thing that I can think of is the reason why it was taken down. But even outside of that, I mean, there's all kinds of creative ways that people, educators in our field are showing up, yeah. but I'm, I'm seeing like millions and millions of views. I have a, a client that has, I don't know, I think if it's either several hundred thousand or it actually wound up reaching the million mark where it's mm-hmm. literally here's three facts about the clit mm-hmm. and it's a slew of comments going, I didn't know it was that big. I <laughs> oh, did. Yeah. What yep. is, yep. what are those things on the bottom? Yeah. What's that about? <laughs> yeah. You know? And I, I, I guess because I get a little bit, I don't know if jaded's the word. I don't know what the word is. Like I forget that mm-hmm. people are on day zero Mm -hmm. with this information. Most people people are on day zero. So of course, how could, how could they really have a true understanding about a fetish or about a desire or about something a little on the kinky side? You know, I say, what is, you know, I might get a group of people that I may or may not know on some level. If they like know me and they listen to the show and stuff, then they, I expect them to have more colorful, colorful answers. But if you put me in a group with strangers and I'm like, tell me something that you think is kinky kinky. And they might say anal mm-hmm. or they might say choking. Yeah. And I go, first off, we're going to put choking over here on this shelf and we're not going to talk about it again. <laughs> it's fucking dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. We can yeah. play with strangulation a little mm-hmm. bit and it's mm-hmm. still hand on the throat. On the th- mouth. Just exactly. Place gently. Right. Mm-hmm. And these are different things. I mean, they're kind of going to cut off your air supply <laughs> right. or I'm going to put some pressure on your, on your blood flow, right. which are two different things. So totally. I'm just going to take the whole strangle choke and I'm going to put it on that box. I'm going to wrap that box and I'll put it inside of another box and I'll put it on a shelf and what else is kinky and it's mm-hmm. crickets. Yeah. yeah. You know, like those are really the kind of the two things that, that they might think of. So in the realm of like sex education and fetish and kink and, and just all of it, it's like, of course we didn't even know the size of the clitoris. How, how do, do we, like, it would make sense that we don't have capacity to look in the face of someone who is really sure. interested in latex and go, let me get zipped up for you yeah, or let me, let me get strapped in for you. Well, and get, we go as far as like with our clients, we're like, what do you, what's your deepest desire? Like my favorite question to ask is if you had it all your way, what is the, the deepest desire you have sexually? And they'll tell us and we're like, what else? Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. it? <laughs> not from like, not from a shame place or not from anything is wrong, but we're just like, oh, that for us, it's like, oh, that's so easy. We can totally make that. Ha- we can make that happen today. Like mm-hmm. boom, done. And that for them was such a big reveal. And so we honor it and we celebrate it, and there's a lot more that goes into it, but we're always like, oh my God, that's it. Like, okay, let's, let's see if we can even expand what's possible within your desires. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, all the time we're like, what do you want? 
what, what do you want? Yeah. And that is so hard for people to answer. Yeah. It's so hard. You know, the, uh, the movie, the notebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Have you seen the memes of, I'm just like a meme roller. <laughs> so, yes. so whatever, whenever the two main characters, right. Mm-hmm. Noah and the girl, forget, the girl, yeah. and, the girl <laughs> and her, <laughs> and her. Uh, but there, I don't know if it's raining or what. And he's looking at her and he goes, what do you, what want? do you want? Because she's got yeah. the fiance and uh-huh. she's clearly in love with him. And he's like, what do you want? And she just doesn't say anything. Yeah. And he goes, what do you want? And she goes, it's not that simple. And he goes, what do you want? And she goes, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's kind of like this. Yeah. The memes usually say me asking my wife what she wants for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's the worst. And it's yeah. like, what do you want? I don't know. It's not that simple. Right. But I mean, I think about it in a sexual context is yeah. like, that is Common. so, that is so challenging for some people and so confronting. Like anyway. it's really present for them. That they don't know who they are in a sense yeah. in this area of their life, which is in for so many people, they may not, it might not be driving their train, but it's in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, and this is why we love the blueprints, mm-hmm. right? Cause that helps people narrow down like what it is that they want. It actually finally gives them language. And then what's really helpful. I know you've got, what is it? The want willing oh, won't. <laughs> what, what was it? <laughs> want will won't list list, which is really yeah. great to help people. And then yeah. we have the kink checklist, kink checklist. Yeah. and those are for anyone listening. That will be really helpful for you. If you're stuck in the, like, what do I desire? What do I want? Like even going through those lists are so, so important because it gives you language mm-hmm. and it gives you more possibilities than porn, than TV, than, you know, romance novels, than, than we, what we think is out there. Like there's an mm-hmm. infinite possibility of desires, of turn-ons, of things to play with. And, and you don't even need accoutrements and mm-hmm. other things, but you can. You don't um, even need a partner. This is very true. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I said, accoutrements. Like so many people are like, I'm going to explore my sexuality when I find the right person because yeah. I need a partner in order to do this with. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is your journey. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that can be discovered as a single person, um, before even considering bringing a partner in. Mm -hmm. When we talk about it, that like you are responsible for your own pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's not on your partner. Your partner can add and be, you know, make it even more amazing, but like you are responsible for getting your needs and your pleasure met. And so what does that mean? If if you're to take a hundred percent responsibility for your own pleasure, what does that mean? What do you want? What does your room need to look like? What smells, what tastes, what sounds, right? What, what, um, what bedding, what lighting, like all of the things, like, what do you need to be fully in your pleasure? And then from there, everything else just gets better. Yeah, for sure. Cause each of those things are context specific too. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing to go with it, whether it's the kink checklist or to go through a won't, well, won't list. It's like, yeah, you can say that you want this thing, but there's probably a slew of scenarios where you won't want that thing, Mm. even though you really do want that thing now. But if this is present, then you won't want that thing. So it's all context specific. And so it's like, what do you want is really digging into, yeah, questioning who you are and, Mm -hmm. and, and being able to answer that. That's very challenging for some people. Um, So kind of bringing it back to (laughs) fetishes at at large, um, because I do have a couple questions there, which, Clearly the three of us are not passionate about this subject, (laughs) you know? Uh, Yeah. Sexy self-permission fairies. (laughs) Uh, So 
for people who, and I guess, yeah, this is, there's two different questions. One of them, and I'll ask for them from the single perspective first, for someone who maybe is aware on some level that they have a non-normative sexual interest, normative sexual interest, paraphilia, like that feels very clinical to use that term, um, a fetish or an interest. How would you recommend or suggest them navigate exploring it if, if if they're single? So how would they kind of come to terms with it? What are ways that they could work with it on their own? And then ways that they could feel more uh, comfortable sharing that with a partner um, or a future partner. Because I know that this is a thing that people sometimes will get fetishes fulfilled when they are single and they might seek professional help and they might seek it in kind of unique ways. But when it comes to their long-term foundational kind of partner, then it's almost like they swallow it and stuff it down. And it's like, I don't want you to think certain things of me. So I'm going to, I'm going to put on this facade of what I think you need of me. And I don't, and it's almost like they trick themselves that they don't actually need that thing that much, that that was just the thing that they did when they were fucking around. And so now I'm in this relationship and I want this person to take me sincerely and I don't want to scare them. So like ways to come to terms with the reality and ways that they can shift mindset into celebrating this thing. Yeah. Um, I get, I even get emotional when we're talking about it because, you know, we work with so many clients that have lived in suffer suffering for years and, and it's really, really sad. Um, but the idea of like, where do I, how do I get to a place of self-acceptance and celebration even is a personal journey, a, a, a personal development sort of work and, and a deep dive into the self. Because quite often when people are questioning whether their kink or their desires are even healthy, I ask them to think about does the, does the fetish or kink make you feel bad? Um, does it cause harm to you or others? And is it possible that it's taking you away from your um, ability to have true intimacy with someone? And if you answer yes to any of those questions, then it's like, don't struggle with this alone. Seek out help. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to a kink friendly, a sex positive therapist or, or coach um, and have a better understanding of where this is stemming from so that you can come to a place of self-love around it because our sense of belonging is so ingrained in us. That's how we survive is that we have belonging and that if that's threatened, um, it threatens everything in our lives, our ability to feel free and safe and all of that stuff. So it's like, how do we come to a place of self-acceptance and self-love around our desires, no matter what they look like and look at where it's becoming an obstacle or a crutch even and create more choice and, and more ease in that department. And then I would add find communities of like-minded mm-hmm. people, right? You know, Kimmy and I are building a community. You have an incredible I'm community. I'm in it. Let me <laughs> yeah. I want to be in it. Yeah. Okay. You are in it. <laughs> Where do I apply? Yeah. <laughs> right here. Right. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> You're actually founding members. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for you. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but finding like-minded communities so you yeah. know that you're not alone um, is really, really important. And then you can start to reduce shame. Um, cause that's usually the biggest thing that gets in people's way is their self-talk, the shame around their desires, the shame around what other people have projected onto them, what this means about them. Um, and there's a space of, um, learning how to release one identity and stepping into another. 
right? So whatever identity you have created around your desires, not being okay, or, or being the reason you are where you are learning that like, it's actually okay to release that and let that go. And you can actually step into, um, and really allow your desires to be your superpowers. And they can, they can guide you into something really beautiful and really amazing. And then from there, there's beautiful expansion mm-hmm. within it instead of contractions. That's the other thing. Yeah. And, and I think there's also a piece in that that's really beautiful stepping into another thing and another way of being and doing. There's also the, is it bittersweet in a sense or, or the paradox, I mean, it's the paradox, maybe it isn't it, but more like bitter, bittersweet where there's an excitement mm-hmm. of stepping into something that's more authentic yeah. and real and also grief sure. of letting a thing go. I think that's also important to understand that mm. a lot of this comes with mixed emotions. Yeah. That this is, I'm more me than I've ever been. And the me that I have always been, you know, on the outside and the surface, which is still in a lot of ways, parts of who I am, yeah. you know, like there's just a lot of reconciliation and, and it's okay to feel both of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, and Kimmy and I teach our clients that once they hit the space of duality where they can have both at the same time, mm-hmm. that they're, they're even further on their path of healing than they recognize Yeah, because the start of healing is right. There's first awareness. Then we jump into trauma informed care. And within the trauma informed care is a lot of black and white thinking. It is either this or this. The next level, once the healing within that happens, what we see is in the duality. Then you can have this and this. Mm-hmm. I can be in the most pleasure in my entire life and I can still have grief from where I've been and where I've come from. So just know for those of you who are listening, if you're still in black and white, that's okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Just the recognition that that when you're ready, there's the next level of being able to have both, where you can simultaneously hold both. And then from there is what Kimmy and I teach, which is pleasure-informed care, where it's not negating that trauma is there, but we're not going to focus on the trauma. We're actually going to bring the trauma with us and we're going to integrate it so that you can become whole. So the, the kind of final stage for us is bringing people to wholeness. Like what does wholeness mean for you where you can have those little parts and you can have the shame and you can have the guilt and you can have the hurt and you can have that. And you can also have the most ecstatic pleasure. And then there's ways of bringing them all together so that you are a whole person walking in this world. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is when we work with clients with extreme fetishes and helping them to accept and celebrate who they are and be able to be more authentic in their movements. Um, the fetish tends to lose its charge. It's not like I must have this or, you know, like it's there, it's present, but it's more of a like, Oh, this is something I desire and I want to move towards. Not like this has to happen or my whole world is going to fall apart. It's interesting. Interesting. Like when you think about the kink in the garden hose, which is an analogy I like to use a lot is, that when there's a kink in the garden hose, you know, the water builds pressure and the pressure creates that angst and that desire and that like, you know, the intensity that people experience. And then when that kink is finally touched on, it's an explosion and all of the water comes rushing out. So that level of intensity gets addictive Mm -hmm. and there's a huge charge attached to that. And I'm a thrill seeker myself. Like I love intensity. Um, however, like Casey was describing earlier, sometimes you have to keep upping the ante over yeah, and over yeah. and over again. And this comes to a point of like, where does it end? You know, uh, it can be very risky behavior at certain points. Um, and when people are becoming more in flow with like their truth and who they authentically are, 
It doesn't mean those fetishes or kinks go away, but they're integrated in a way that feels a bit more sustainable because it's hard to live in the extremes. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to kind of live mostly in these, this medium, like yummy area and then have moments of extremes, but you don't want to have to rely on the extremes because that just really limits your pool of what's possible. And I imagine then too, there's an, another wave of grief then after that oh, too, yeah. Oh, yeah. especially for people who have gotten, because a lot of the questions that you were saying, like you would like to ask people, I was like, Oh, those sound really familiar. Cause those are the same questions you ask someone who might be dependent on drugs. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Someone that you might, you might be trying to figure out if they have an addiction or some kind of um, reliance on a substance or or something, an experience or something like those questions sound very similar. Mm -hmm. So um, I I imagine too, if there's living a double life, Mm -hmm. like it's all, uh, it feels exhausting and Mm -hmm. invigorating and thrilling. Totally. You know, like you've got this life that you might be living out here on the surface and then every other Saturday you go see a dominatrix or you go see someone to get this other experience to strap you in a diaper and hold mm. you like a baby and totally. do yeah. this X, Y, Z thing to you. And the thrill is so big. Like you said, there's an explosion, Totally. but then they go and put the kink back yeah. in the hose yeah. and then they go back out into their life. And in their life, they feel a little bit more settled in their system. They can do the thing. So I, I see moment. some until people for, until it builds up again. Right. And then they feel at the mercy of this thing instead of empowered and, and working with the thing. I'm, I'm curious. I, this, I love this conversation. Yay. I just, it's all so fascinating to it me. Is. Like humaning is fascinating to me, especially totally. humaning around sex and interest in sex and expression is fascinating. So do you ever see people who balance the two things in that way? but they have, they, they, per, you perceive them to have a healthy grasp on it. Like they are the CEO. Cause you always see like these really mm-hmm. big, powerful, yeah. typically men mm-hmm. that have these roles in their job and they build the business and they make the decisions and they're rah, rah, rah. They're the breadwinner of the family and all that. And then they go see a dominatrix and they want to be completely and totally humiliated and embarrassed, or they want to be smacked around or they want to be wrestled and then submitted mm-hmm. or like, there's so many things you know, or, or they just want to feel small and then mm-hmm. leave and kind of shrug it off and then go back into their world. Like, are there, uh, I wonder, I wonder if you've ever experienced people who are able, whether it's that example or something else, where they're able to do those things that feels in a really good grounded kind of way, or if it's more you would recommend them come to terms with in a sense, or, or I don't, I don't know. I think that you get what I'm saying there where it's mm-hmm. like, not, they're not going to have to go to the extreme per se. Like what if they don't want to incorporate it in their day-to-day life? Mm-hmm. You want to go? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll jump in. I'll follow. <laughs> it's interesting because when people are telling me what their interests are and what their fetishes are, what their kinks are, I'm like, cool, awesome. This activity, this body part, this thing. Okay, great. But why? What's underneath that? What do you get out of the spanking? What do you get out of the foot down your throat? Like, what is it that you are getting from this? Is it the sense of aliveness you feel? Is it the close proximity of being close to another human being? Is it the taboo, right? And like, if 
there's an understanding of what's underneath the activity or the kink or the fetish, then there can be an understanding of that. This can be recreated a lot of different ways. Are you open to seeing how you can have similar levels of intensity, aliveness, intimacy that maybe don't require this one option? Mm -hmm foot down your throat, right? Mm -hmm. It could, it could incorporate other techniques and practices that give you a sense of that and maybe even make you feel like you're seeing God and feeling a sense of oneness. And that time has stood still. Maybe it's even better. And the people that we work with, um, you know, we're introducing these concepts to them because again, we do want to create more choice. We want to create invitations that people are able to accept or decline depending on where they're at in their journey. But People get scared of what's unfamiliar and they do get attached to the ways of being. And they sometimes don't always trust that there is actually other possibilities that could be even more fulfilling and sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mm -hmm. think, I mean, it's such a great question. Um, you know, when we're playing with like the CEOs or the really powerful people, oftentimes the reason they're coming to a dominatrix is because they don't have balance in their life. And so they're in these high profile positions and most of the time they have intentionally surrounded themselves with yes people. And so there really isn't, no, there's no sense of groundedness. They're actually super disembodied. They're they're not connected to their full yeses. They're not actually connected to their full pleasure. And they, again, it's kind of like wiring has come in. And so they'll go and see a dominatrix, um, you know, just using that as an extreme where they'll go and see another provider um, to get the release, right. To find some sort of balance. And it, like Kimmy's talking about, like when you come from choice versus I'm doing this because I have to do this, there's a very, there's a big difference there. Mm. So like kind of unconsciously going and going, I'm going to go see this person because I'm going to get this is not the same thing as having the conversation of like, okay, but why? Like, why are you doing that in the first place? What's actually going on? What is the choice that you are making when you are doing this? Um, and then when choice comes into play, when you can actually choose what you're doing and why you're doing it, where it's coming from, then the pleasure that can come from there is, is beyond, like Kimmy said, like you can touch God, you can have transcendental and transformational experiences versus just going and having like kind of a one-off thing and then going back into the cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That then has like the self-imposed shame and sure, right. all that. And something about when we describe it that every time I think about or I like imagine certain dynamics and scenarios where someone's is turning to a professional or not professional, but just like doing this thing that's away from their life where I, I can feel the thrill. Sure. And so I can, I can totally understand why people do it yeah. and people and people who I'll use the term cheat, you know, where it's like, they're completely taking, they're completely doing something that's away from their partnership, away from their agreements and boundaries, because there's a thrill of aliveness. And oh, yeah. so then asking them, you know, but the thing is that if they, for most people, if they are in a infidelity kind of situation or they're getting a thing on the side and then they come to terms with it, it usually has a point where it's, yeah it's, it's thrilling, it's thrilling, it's thrilling. And then it's, something's got to give. Mm -hmm. And then the thing's going to shift anyway, yeah. you know, whether it's the, they're seeking that outside help or they're sleeping with other people outside of their relationship foundation. It's like, okay, well now this thing starts to want to turn into something else and something has to give. Yeah. So like, regardless, this is the, the ebbs and the flows and the ups and, and the downs yeah. of life in general. Yeah. Totally. Well, 
And you're looking at relationships. So like oftentimes two things are missing. One polarity starts to dissipate and there starts to become this idea of oneness. And there is a beautiful space for like oneness and connectedness. And like, we're on the same page, but that really only lasts for so long. Like polarity actually has to come in and and it doesn't have to be man versus woman. It is just like a masculine energy with a feminine energy or a lunar energy and solar energy, however you want to describe it. But the actual tension in the relationship needs to be there. And it either needs to be done consciously, like one's going to take on one role and one's going to take on the other, whatever that works for the relationship, or the tension's going to show up in kind of what we're talking about now. That's like behind the scenes or like, it's going to come out like screaming or yelling or stonewalling or some of those things that you see, you know, you hear from John Gottman's work, mm-hmm. right. That, that will create tension, mm-hmm. well, probably the tension you want, but it's there and it creates right. a polarity, right. And it right. creates something. So one of it is like looking at like, where is the polarity within the relationship and, and, and are we actually having conversations? right that or has that kind of died and then the other conversation is around um something that jaya calls the passion the passion trifecta and the passion trifecta is that you need three things to keep aliveness in a relationship and it's obstacle novelty and naughtiness Mm-hmm. And there are ways that you can consciously bring that into a relationship, which then also creates some of the polarity and some of the tension that's there. And if both of those are in there, then the relationship can continue to move forward. And, there, and it doesn't mean that people necessarily have to go behind the scenes to get the thrill or to get the obstacle or the, the novelty, right? That's, that's built within there. Mm. But again, if we come back and we circle around to like why this conversation is even having, we're having this conversation is that most people aren't even having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like they're not talking about their, and they don't even know, right? They don't know what their needs are. They don't know what their wants are. They know that something's missing. They know that something's not there. Most of us are terrible at conflict, right? We have no idea how to deal with conflict. We're yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm going to bring up something. And they're going to be really upset at me, or we've mm-hmm. got the different types of processors. I mean, there's, there's, a slew of things. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is why, you know, having these kind of conversations is really important and working with a coach is really important. Having somebody support you through this because there's so many other possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a Dom for about 20 years, but for the first almost five of those years, I was totally in the closet the whole time. And I was living overseas. I was in Asia. I was in Australia. I was in Europe. And, um, yeah, it was really thrilling to kind of have this little secret that not even the boys I were dating um, and boyfriends had no idea I was doing this because I was a DJ at the time. So it was a really easy way of getting out of explaining where I was at certain hours of the night. Um, and when I finally decided to come out of the closet, um, it was really interesting because most people were just like, what does this mean? Like, are you safe? That, that was like pretty much the number mm-hmm. one question. Are you safe? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, this is done in a, in a house where there's other people there. And I vet the the clients and I have conversations with them and, you know, went through the whole slew of things. I remember telling my mom all about it and she was like, okay, you know, if this is what you want to do. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I actually really love this. And now I'm coming to terms with the fact that I really love kink and that I really love being a dom and doing this professionally for people. Um, so it felt really good to come out of the closet, but I remember her saying like, that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you, but maybe grandpa doesn't need to know. (laughs) And I was like, okay, grandpa doesn't need to know. Just like so many of our clients, you know, they want to live these authentic lives, but you know, your parents don't, nobody needs to know about what you're doing Mm -hmm. behind closed doors or or what you want to reveal around your sexuality. Like you get to have those choices. Mm -hmm. But when I started coming out of the closet, educating and talking about this publicly, I got a lot of backlash from the kink community themselves because they were like, we don't want everyone to know all this. 
we don't want this to be mainstream. This is ours. Like, this is our special thing. Like, stopped, like, talking about it to everyone. And I was really shocked by, not everyone, but there were certain people in the community that were actually really unsupportive of me being mainstream and educating the public about kink and BDSM. Because there was a way that it threatened their identity Mm. and the secrecy of probably what is attached to the charge and the excitement of being in the community in the first place. Yeah. And also so many of the, the older kinkies, right. Have been, have sure. had to go through so much. So we so can much. understand that. And, you know, so glad we're doing what we're doing, all of us, yeah. because it's yeah. so needed. I mean, there's so many people that are, are so alone. They, and they think that they're alone, you know, and that's what makes the isolation. That's what makes the shame. That That's what makes the, like the hurt kind of behind the scenes. Like if we don't talk about this kind of stuff, then so many people are missing actually living life. And getting to have opportunities they've never been able to have before. So, like, thank you for, (laughs) you know, not listening to those people and doing it anyways. Um, And I'm so glad that we are able to have more of these conversations. I mean, I know when we get to do our our workshops, like some of the biggest things that people say are just like, I feel like I'm I'm home. I feel like I have found people who actually love me and accept me, and and I'm not weird and I'm not strange and like, oh my god, y'all are just normal people too, and like this, like, this is what I've been looking for my entire life. (sighs) Feel that last piece. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Last piece, because I I asked it for the the singles, but y'all mostly answered it for everyone. (laughs) Uh, But just in case, you know, some maybe even more tangibles, uh, you know, people who are listening to this that might suspect the partner has something going on that they're not aware of, how can we, how can we support that scenario in just dot, dot, dot? How can we support that scenario? Yeah. I would say go to Kimmy's Instagram. So Kimmy Inch at Kimmy Inch, because there's so much incredible um, information that's done in a really uh, lighthearted way. And so if you suspect that your partner might be interested in this stuff, be like, Oh, look, look who I found. This is so fun and (laughs) engage, right? Like engage, open the conversation. You can bring the kink checklist, you know, if this is something you're like, Oh, I might suspect this, but like, it may be hard, right? They may have shame. They may have some stuff there. But if you're the one that's kind of presenting it and be like, I found this kink checklist, I'd love to talk to you about it and see where we can find where it mutually works for both of us, you know, cause that's really what you're there. That's what if you suspect it and, and you have a partner that's not shared it with you, it typically means that it's not you that they're afraid of, but that they've had people in their life non-consensually hurt them, shame them, humiliate them, call them names, abandon them. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot that's tied up to it. So it's not you that they're afraid of, but it's them projecting their old past things that they've experienced. So if you open the door um, in a really gentle and loving way, like go, go take the blueprint quiz. You might find that you're a little bit kinky. And if they are too, like, that's a great conversation starter. So there's, there's really gentle and really loving ways that this conversation can be had, um, so that it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really like important, like in, inviting them into a conversation versus like projecting onto or forcing or automatically assuming you know, totally. all of a sudden they get home, you have, you stumble <laughs> upon a porn or something that they, they absorbed and you make some conclusions. And the next yeah. thing you know, you know, mm-hmm. all day while they're uh, out at work, you're 
uh, your Pinteresting how to turn your bedroom extra bedroom into a dungeon, and then they get home and they're like, "What the fuck is Maybe this?" Maybe gets to that point. Contact us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went. I went like way into to the dramatics, but it's you know, to us, to us, to even to figure it out. But to be assumptive with your person right, and right. go, but I thought into like automatically give, you know, why oh don't gosh, you spank yeah. me? Why don't you this me? Understand that they may have a reaction to that yeah. that isn't pleasant, even though you're trying to meet them. Maybe try to meet them in it, significant, curb that back yeah, and yep. meet them, um, meet them gently, slowly, and, and understand the emotions. It's not against you. So if you can attempt to make it less personal. Yeah, totally. Yep. I mean, I tell people if you want to appear sexier, this is very simple. Just be more curious. Mm -hmm. That will make you ultimately more sexier. Mm -hmm. And it gives your partner an opportunity to really share the nuances of what their desires really are. Because even when we talk about going through the kink checklist, marking things off like, oh, I like spanking. Okay. But what does that mm-hmm. mean? Like, right. what do you like about spanking? In mm-hmm. what context have you thought about being spanked or giving a spanking and really understanding these like layers, because mm-hmm. what spanking to you is different than what spanking is to me. What, what fetishes to one person might be different to another yeah. and like being curious, like, tell me more. Mm-hmm. I'm interested ever. <laughs> tell me, tell me more. more. Tell me more. If you don't know what to ask and you want to know more, Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, I love that. I I do it, and and the way that I phrased it before is mm. is um, you know, like I, I think about Jordan and I. Let's say I want to be spanked, and and I'm trying to communicate this to him. Let's say four years ago, five mm. years ago, even, yeah. and he computes. She well, first he might compute. She wants me to hit her. Then the second thing is I can spank you, and then in my head I'm like, okay here's my butt. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> right. So what I want isn't actually that. What I want is right. this is the, what is required between us, mm-hmm. the safety for me to feel the edge for me to feel in yeah. order to make that thing hot, which is a whole lot harder to articulate <laughs> to someone yeah. who's like, what? You know, wait, yeah. you want me to do what to you? So yeah. something I want to highlight mm-hmm. um, that that you both have said, and they've heard me say it, you know, the, the listeners ad nauseum is the conversation, mm-hmm. conversation, conversation over and over and over again. You're saying yes. that word invitation, conversation, mm. these things, yeah. things, the fetishes, the uh, desires, desires, the interesting sexual scenarios, mm-hmm. like the way that those get to happen in a way where pleasure is abundant Mm. and laughter is accessible when the thing goes sideways is through steady conversations. So if you present something to a person and their first reaction is their own shit, which is a projection, which is possible Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, it's highly likely that you'll have that experience. But Mm -hmm. if the first response is them processing their own thing, do, do your best to take care of yourself and celebrate the fact that you were vulnerable mm, yep. and share that thing anyway. And then understand that that one conversation might be a lead domino, but in order to on the path to getting something that you want, but there might be 62 dominoes that have to <laughs> fall before the yeah. grand finale. Totally. Right. So that's yeah. a repetitive, it's a repetitive yeah. thing. So I'm five and a half years into my relationship with Jordan and we're going to Bernie man again. Mm. 
for the for the second time. And the first time we went to Burning Man was 2019. And it was the first time that we had had sex in public. Mm. But before and and that was let's see, we got together in 20, the beginning of 2018. Mm -hmm. So this was summer of 2019 Mm -hmm. and we'd had many conversations. Mm -hmm. We went through a whole checklist. We applied to be able to go to this event, the entire drive from Austin to Burning Man. I mean, not the entire drive. We were talking about uh, substances, you know, psychedelics and drugs and like what was going to be our policy and how are we going to treat yeah. all the situations and scenarios with that. And then it was, how do we feel about anything is possible in, in Burning Man, as far mm-hmm. as like what kind of experiences it's like, lots of people are open. They're feeling very free They they're anything is possible. So what do we actually want yeah. is what, it, what is the, the, was the topic. So many, 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 we're about to have the exact same set of conversations Yay. on our way to Burning Man again. Great. You know, and, and I highlight that I talk about this every day. I had an yeah. interview before y'all got here. I have this one with you. Mm-hmm. I have one right after. And tomorrow it's like a similar kind of day as yeah. far as working with clients and, and DJ school. I do have that. So I have a little bit <laughs> of self-care. <laughs> I have a little bit of self-care going on in there, but um, what I'm, what I am, really wanting to highlight is that it's, it's the, the conversation piece Ongoing. as unsexy as it might sound mm-hmm. is the, is the way. Mm. And a yeah. person at any given day is going to be different to the day before, different to the month before, different to the year before the conversation, the topics yeah. again with different answers. And I think it's really like a relax into that surrender into that, that it, that it's steady conversation. And it's not just a logical processing of things. Do your best. I think at at times to logically sift around and what does my, what do my genitals Mm -hmm. light up with? What does my heart Mm -hmm. yearn for? And use, use all of it, the mind, body, spirit, whole connection to continue driving those conversations forward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a continued conversation. Our bodies change all the time. Our minds change, our hormones change, everything changes. And so of course these conversations are going to need to change, right? Like the depth of the relationship changes where the trust, safety, and security is changes. Like it all changes. So what we were a year ago is going to be different than what we were yesterday. It's Mm going to be different today. It might change throughout the day, might fluctuate throughout the day. Right. So these conversations are so important and it's also important. There's two other things. I think two to three things. One is like, you're going to make a mistake. Like you're going to make a mistake. And Kimmy and I call them oopsies and ouchies. Like somebody's going to hurt another person. And it's, my, my guess, and we're going to put this as a foundation is it's always a mistake. It was not the intention. The impact was different, right? The impact was that there was an oopsie or there was an ouchie that happened, but the intention is love, connection, depth, intimacy, right? And so just understand that you're going to make mistakes. How quickly clean, can you clean it up? How quickly can the repair happen so that you can drop even deeper into the relationship? And two other ways that that happens is understanding that there's aftercare, is really important. And that's not just for kink. That's for any sexual experience Mm -hmm. or or anything where you're opening vulnerably. What is the aftercare that you need? Do you need cuddles? Do you need to just be held? Do you need tea? Do you need some spaciousness? Like what do you need for yourself to like come back home? And then having debrief conversations that are actually set in a calendar that are 60 minutes that are for the purpose of talking about the sexual experience or the intimate experience that you had. And you want to talk about like, what was amazing? What did you absolutely love? 
then you want to talk about like, what would you do differently? What's something that you would change? What, you know, what may have been like a meh. And then you want to sandwich that with what would you love more of? So that you're having a conversation where you're taking what you just experienced, knowing that it may not work exactly the way we thought it was at any time, but you can take that and you can grow and expand and continue to drop in even deeper into the relationship. I like that. Um, I'm sitting here going, I'm going to do that with our regular old, like 15 minutes or less sex. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> I love that. You know, like sure. I'm gonna put that on our calendar next time Jordan and I do our relationship check-in. We'll be like, let's schedule a time when it's not like a time we're trying to get sexy per se. And let's just talk about how our regular old 15 minutes or less sex has been going down. Cause I think we can do even better There you yeah. go with that. Yeah. And like, there's this head holding thing that you do that, I'm, <laughs> that you've been doing that I'm not particularly so fond of. There you go. Like, like it's just kind of okay. And we can do better yeah, with that. Good. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Always learning, always <laughs> learning, yeah, learning, learning, bad. learning. My goodness. You too. I could talk to you forever. <sighs> same. Same, same. Love having you. Can't wait to be back on. (laughs) (laughs) See y'all again soon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm super down, (laughs) you know, like each time Jordan and I have our, uh, our monthly staycation date, we Mm -hmm. do like a more produced date night in the city, which is always hilarious because we live six minutes outside of downtown, but we yeah. We valet for $50. Yep. <laughs> Unless we can find, you know, we Uber, it depends anyway, <laughs> but we go do this like produce thing. And each time we do the produce thing mm-hmm. as the kind of rounding out of it, we plan the next one or like set the date for the next one. Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to hit stop on the recording and you're gonna be like, so everybody's just going to pull out their calendars, Yeah, <laughs> you know, Yay. and it's up to us to make sure we have some kind of unique yeah. experience in between that we can talk about, or you just, you well, know, we got to get you two in for a conscious kink journey. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Jordan mm-hmm. and I, yeah, we've talked about that for sure. Yep. And you know, um, the programs and the services that you'll have that have to do with mastering dominance mm-hmm. and, and come that coming from within place mm-hmm. and, understanding this, that realm in order to give really incredible experiences. That's definitely of interest to us too. I know so many people of our, in our community have been interested in that as well. So, um, what I love about our relationship and our friendship is that, uh, and I, and I, I I love this in general with people. Um, have you heard of it phrased this way where it's 30, 30, 30, Mm. 30% of the people that you have in your life. And I like more or less strive for this. 30% 30% of the people that are in my life, I look up to, mm. I consider mm-hmm. themselves to be a mentor in some way. Mm-hmm. 30% of the people I would consider peer to peer. And 30% I would consider that I am that mentor mm-hmm. role, that there's something that I can teach and, and they that. can learn from, for me. Yeah. And then 10% is the, the uncles and the cousins <laughs> and the, and the family yeah, and the, part of the package yeah. that are just like, <laughs> there's like 10%. Yeah. And you just keep them in that little mm-hmm. window there. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of crossover between if we're peer to peer, chances are there's something that yes. I do that you would consider that's a mentor. And if we're peer to peer, there's something that you do that I would consider as a mentor. And then I've got like as as many people in that actual, like you're an alien. (laughs) I want to hear everything you have to say. What the fuck? How are you even on planet earth right now? You know what I mean? I, I I try it's, it's a big gap to fill with 30% 30%, of those kinds of people, but that's basically how, you know, how the, how those thirties, they flow typically into each other. And I definitely consider y'all 
friends and people that I could just continue to listen to over and over and over again. And every time I learn something and it transforms my life and my Mm. relationship and certainly the way that I'm able to show up for my community and my clients. And so Mm. so yes, more please. (laughs) More to come. Yeah. So much more to come. Yeah. Yeah. And come again and again and And again. again. (laughs) All right, loves. Thank you. you. And listeners, I hope that you enjoyed getting to experience Kimmy and Casey's magic again. I would love to know what I would love to hear from you in the form of a review or message me on Instagram, how you enjoyed this episode. I don't end most episodes with that message, but I want to hear from you. I want to make sure that y'all know that I want to hear from you. And also we dug into the subject of fetishes today, the realm of possibilities as far as conversations go in under the the, the subject, the umbrella of sex and intimacy, relationships, all of that. There's so many way, there's so many things we can talk about. I want to know what you want to hear. Yes. So this is an invitation to reach out to me on Instagram or to send an email to hello at that And let me know what you want to hear on the show. And of course, if Kimmy and Casey, if I can get, <laughs> if I can rope them in <laughs> uh, to come have that convo, if Absolutely. that seems like something that would be in their area of expertise, um, I'm happy to have them back on. Yay. Thank right. you. Thank you. We love, we love you. you. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.